So, Greg, I woke up the other day and I opened up my Twitter account, as I always do, only to find this tweet from the Orlando Sentinel, two hurricanes, one coast. So, apparently, two hurricanes are hitting the Gulf Coast on the same day. Wow. Um, a once-in-a-lifetime experience, the Orlando Sentinel says. Will it be, though? Yeah. That's that's sort of my point, right? Um, I love that. Once I am, in a lifetime of like our parents who are about to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or as I think somebody, our lifetime, I don't know. Somebody joked on Twitter, "It's once a li- once in a lifetime only for the people who die in this hurricane." But nice. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that I can use this two hurricanes one coast joke forever. Uh, year after year, I'll get to use it, and eventually multiple times in the same year uh, until uh, the end of time. But yeah, I mean, these two hurricanes, one coast joins, uh, what do we have last week? Inland hurricane, a new thing that we got to learn about uh, hitting uh, the Midwest. It's a whole, a whole new genre it, of weather event. Yeah. Uh, the fire tornado, another personal favorite hitting California, uh, which now has just an absolutely massive, uh, what they call them, a complex when the fire gets so fucking big, it just can't be a fire anymore because <laughs> it's 20 fires have all joined together. Uh, and Arctic blazes. So, uh, Wait, I'm sorry, what's an Arctic blaze? Uh, apparently, there was some sort of giant fire going on in the arctic or some shit i don't know or maybe oh, cool. it's the temperature i don't fucking know all i know is i saw a headline that said arctic blazes and it made me want to shoot myself i saw something earlier today that said yesterday or something california recorded the hottest temperature on earth in 100 years at 132 degrees fahrenheit yeah that doesn't Thing, i mean things are looking good greg (laughs) looking good for the future uh one thing is absolutely for sure we have a lot of time to fix this so it's the perfect time to just compromise everything and uh you know uh vote blue yeah man vote vote blue we can uh go green later yeah yeah we'll have plenty of time when we're on the salted dusty earth after everything cheerful seattle sucks podcast we're back in my house the land boat greg's back in his old room we're reminiscing he's telling me about all the memories he's had in here uh how are you feeling today greg i'm i'm pretty dispirited frankly (laughs) i mean (laughs) like the psychic hit of the dnc um uh, it it really it's like you you look away because it's actively like curdling your blood and you can feel like your heart seizing up if you look mm-hmm. at it but then once once it's touched you like you can't just turn <laughs> it off like it it's it's in there it's like ice 9 like it's slowly just transforming your body into a a crystalline structure that will kill you like it's uh yeah it luckily i you can't escape my brain it's just I, I i've seen death you know yeah and luckily i remember the uh 1980 classic clash of the titans and not its uh inferior 2012 or whatever reboot 
So I had a shield with a mirror on the inside of it made, and I, I watched the DNC convention like through the reflection of the shield and still barely made oh, it out so alive. You couldn't be turned into stone by, by yeah. the the many snake-headed yeah, uh, monster that is the Democratic Party. Yeah, yeah. wow, that well, I was thinking ahead. I thought I, I thought I was strong. I thought after you know three years of podcasting, like I can take anything. Mm-hmm. It's like I got this. I got this. Is I do this. This is my hobby. Mm-hmm. Is uh, yeah. The whole, no hole can be deeper than the depths that I've plumbed. Yeah, and then exactly, you stare into like, the abyss, motherfucker. I follow <laughs> local politics. I can fucking take anything. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no man. I'm like I'm bumming, dude. Yeah. Well, uh, it's not gonna get better. Um, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, this is more a bummer, I guess, specifically for me, but you get to enjoy it as well. Uh, the local or latest Charles Mudede piece in the slog about Boeing. Yeah. Um, uh, we're definitely going to talk DNC, but I think we got to talk a little Boeing first. We yeah. got to have the local before we can do the uh, national here. But uh, Well, I mean, this is really like a global story as well. So Yeah, and um, it just... As somebody who's worked in aerospace for more than a decade, uh, it's awful to have all the horrible things that you've uh, said and predicted come true, but in a more nightmarish way than you could ever imagine. Yeah, uh, what, <laughs> um, what Brian means, like, said and predicted, he means, like, under his breath on the shop floor. Yeah, exactly. You know, not, like, yeah. in writing or on a podcast, but just, like, like ranting, like, wide-eyed, like, uh, during <laughs> in the break room, like to his colleagues who were just like, "Man, I just work here." You yeah, know? <laughs> like, like oh, we're this gonna... whole industry is going to shit. We're all they're <laughs> fucking fleecing us blind. They're all, they're, we're all gonna be uh, out on our ass. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like you really need to stop wearing that sandwich board on the shop floor. <laughs> it's yeah. starting to weird people out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I just want to read you. I s- hate engineers. <laughs> yeah. That was it. Yeah, yeah, I hate engineers, and then the back just says and management, but in that fancy like union script from when they used to like strike with the sandwich boards and stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So th- this uh, was from uh, Charles on August nineteenth, and we'll put a link up to when Charles was on the show talking Boeing too. I mean, yeah, that's a great episode. Uh, but. Uh, On August 16th, Boeing announced that it was to begin a second round of buyouts to employees. The first round eliminated 16,000 jobs. The second round, which will certainly be followed by a third, fourth, and a fifth round, will go beyond the initial estimate of 10% of the workforce. (sighs) Yeah, yeah. And again, I think it's one of those things that people in Seattle, it's probably easy to miss because a lot of it is on the outskirts of Seattle. How many people Boeing employs in this area? Like how many people work for Boeing or work essentially for Boeing through some sort of right. third party? This, yeah. What, what this misses when it says like 10% of the workforce, you're mm-hmm. just talking, this is just the announced layoffs of the Boeing corporation. Yeah. But that doesn't account. That's like a small number compared to the number of vendors in the Puget Sound region. Yeah. The region yeah. Worldwide. Again, they have vendors globally. Yeah, there's a yeah. shitload of them right here, but you're talking about like one of the biggest manufacturers in the world. Yeah, like just totally getting down so bad that it has to cut 10% of its own workforce right now, meaning it's already over the last year laid off, caused the layoffs of m- m- 
huge numbers of its vendors in this area. Yeah, because Boeing basically tries to, if, if it's losing money, it tries to take it out of its vendors first. So well, they generally why, get the first That's why set. they're vendors and yeah. not... Yeah, and yeah. No, that's why they don't have a fully integrated you know, production structure. Yeah. It's so... Well, so it's, this is all just contracts they can cancel. Yeah, it's amazingly reminiscent of a feudal system where, you know, at any one time, yeah, the peasants on the outskirts can be starving. But once the starvation starts to creep up into the castle, all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, you start to go, oh, I think well, we have an enormous fucking problem. Well, and those peasants aren't, their liege is not the, the king, right? Yeah. Their, their liege lord is the, uh, the local duke, right? Yeah. So who's <laughs> telling them to fuck off, you know? And then they can think, to themselves gosh if only if only boeing wasn't getting such a going through such a hard time if only mm-hmm. the king were you know wasn't getting battered around by uh covid then we then my lo- local idiot duke would be able to uh get some of that cheese and pass it on to me yeah and i mean to give people some idea the last shop that i worked for at one point had 600 people working at it and now it has less than 60 so they aren't having 10% reduction. They have less than 10% left, you yeah. know, and that's not actually that unusual. Um, all right. So continuing the understanding in the business press is that this is all the doing of the pandemic. Indeed, a Bloomberg reporter, Julie Johnson, certainly felt she had shifted her wits into high gear when she described the corporation, which is based in Chicago as the quote virus stricken plane maker. But this description was neither witty nor accurate. Boeing's top brass caused much of the corporation's troubles long before the pandemic began to ravage these United States. First off, sick burn. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> seriously. Um, I mean, what is journalism even for at this point? Like, I mean, we know, I guess we know. It's like, that. it just, yeah, I mean, it's hacked to even spend time on this like he nicely sums it up there just by just making this this burn on this report this awful uh bloomberg reporter but like that is that is the purpose of most of the media is to carry the water and cover the ass of the world's richest people that's it that's all most of it is for and that it has a lot to do with like why none of this shit matters and why none of it's going to matter for the fucking election etc etc yeah yeah and so he continues The airline industry is a long way from resuming normal business because the pandemic is still out of the government's control, and every day the pandemic is left to fester, the further it is pushed into the future. And the further it is pushed into the future, the larger the number of unknown variables gather around it. And so the ideal situation is to pull the pandemic back in as much time as possible because the near future contains far fewer unknown variables. So... Essentially what he's arguing here, right, is uh, that Boeing literally can't recover because of the pandemic, but yeah. it's suffering from crises that it created on its own yeah. prior to it. And I think, you know, where this is all going is the eventual massive, you know, multi-billion, maybe 100 billion, 200 billion. Maybe we'll see our first trillion dollar bailout. But a bailout that's probably going to shatter records of Boeing is coming. And it's going to be because the pandemic hurt Boeing. Well, This is going to be the messaging. Whatever the form it takes, because in a way, and he talks about this a little there, that, that bailout's ongoing now, right? Mm-hmm. They're able, they're, he, so Mudidi goes on to talk about the fact that they're selling now, able to sell under the CARES Act programs, government uh, backed bonds, yeah, with no strings attached, and we know that 
you know, there's other ways that the Treasury and the Fed are just uh, totally in a black box, like basically effectively just buying stock. Um, so God knows Boeing is in there. So this bailout's effectively happening um, yeah. at a scale that, like, uh, the only way you'd ever find... At this point, the only way you'll ever find out the numbers is uh, by tearing down the government at which point all the records will be burned i mean there's no like yeah. there's no scenario where we'll ever really know that's my thinking now will another big package come through where it's no i don't know like they have this unlimited amount of funds they can just piss toward these bonds and stock buys like um the key though is like this that the covid pandemic is this perfect cover for mm-hmm. this shit this like getaway vehicle for this company that we've yeah we spent so much time that charles has spent so much time writing about over the last uh two years there and we've talked about it here we've talked about with charles just an absolute disaster on every level not just the planes themselves which are absolute dog shit which is related to a whole like theory of management that was like doomed to fail that was precipitated by the driving need to just fucking sell their own stock uh, mm-hmm. buy back their own stock to pay out fucking uh, massive amounts of money to executives and shareholders at the expense of fucking everything else. And this is where they were an absolute on the verge of fucking utter collapse due to having no actual fucking assets or business and all their big planes being grounded because they can't fucking fly. And now, oh, well, yeah, oof, gosh, they're having real trouble because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, uh, Charles sums it up really well and really eloquently. He says, you know, in a time when the plane company could very well use its capital to dream up new ways of flying, new ways of improving its products and so on, it is committed instead to a program of cash accumulation, no new research, and a dramatic reduction in plane production. That's how Boeing is going to roll. Liquidate as much as possible, transform thousands of jobs into cash, transform R&D labs and programs into cash, and transform production into cash. This is the only future the higher-ups can imagine, the terrific expansion of Boeing's cash reserves, right? And basically, yeah, I mean, as he, you know, as you sort of summed up and he had pointed out in the article, you know, all they're doing right now is, you know, uh, uh, selling back these sort of no-strings-attached corporate bonds, right? It is, you know, uh, essentially just liquidating everything they have. There's no vision right now of a future, right? Yeah. Of building Boeing so that it exists like 20 years down the road or anything like that. It is the uh, 1980s movie Wall Street, right? right. Just buy and is good. It. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But but is it more than that, though, Brian? Because <laughs> this has been the reality of American corporate capitalism for yeah. 40 years, right? Like, um, no, no long-term investment. Um, that's for chumps. Uh, yep. No, um, no, yeah, no planning for the future, just trying to milk quarterly profits to be able to justify executive pay mm. and dividends. Um, and that has stripped these companies to the bone already. Boeing is this incredible example that's very just salient in how stark it is, like that they just mm. bought back as much stock as they could and sold off every fucking asset they had and totally jeopardized the entire. Uh, production of very complicated and dangerous uh, high-ticket items that they sell. (laughs) Um, But that's been the story, like, 
of the last 40 years. This has been this growing thing. Yeah. But now, but that was at a time, this was all happening even at a time when you could look ahead and buy, and you could and probably did believe like the American economy is going to keep on chugging, right? Yeah. yeah. So we're going to get ours. That was the the cynicism of this ethos that the mm-hmm. sort of Reagan revolution brought in, that this whole, the, you know, the sort of... Uh, Carl Icahn mentality of just stripping these corporations took over. Um, was at a time when it's like, gosh, you could be investing in building something that was good for everyone, for the world, for mm-hmm. the people who work there, for the customers who buy it, that would be paying out on long-term investments like over decades that would be growing an economy. You could be doing these things. And the, the cynicism and the greed of this... Uh, new way of American business, this inevitable sort of, uh, you know, declining rate of profit that... Yeah, yeah. Like, are we now at a diff... But, like, that... What I'm saying is, like, that all still happened in this very cynical way at a time when you could believe there was a future that you could be investing in instead of being so short-sighted. And this is the criticism that the general like tone of criticism that's been leveled for 40 years at this way of doing business. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, but now can anyone look forward and say, there's an economy to invest in in the future. After all this has happened, after all Boeing, one of the fucking top producers of the American economy, one of the most important companies in the world, in the country, in a lot of different ways, had already sold itself off, had already basically liquidated itself to where it was a, sh- a hollow shell, a house of cards propped up, just pissing out money to a, mm-hmm. a handful of rich people with no thought to the future, just killing passenger plane passengers. <laughs> the economy was already that point, and now that is all those... The wages of all that is coming due, right? Because whatever... And this is what we talked about with... Charles, when we had him on back when the pandemic was, when the lockdown was just starting, was the wages of this were going to come due very soon for Boeing and possibly the whole rest of the economy. All last year, he was theorizing that Boeing's collapse could trigger the collapse of the rest of the economy as people look around and realize, oh, fuck, all these other blue chip companies are doing what Boeing did. So that's yeah. the state we're in. But now with the pandemic, that has caused this. This, the ball to start rolling down the hill, okay? So the entire economy is in this perfectly slow motion, like, dive that mm-hmm. is absolutely just ripping the floor out from under what we think of as the American economy. Yeah. And so at this point, there you can you really criticize... Like, we already know these people have no thought for the future. They have no thought for a common Mm -hmm. good or society. This is... The logical thing now is a liquidation sale. It is to sell off fucking everything. Is to get your hand on every fucking dollar and get rid. Get fucking liquid. That is what... This is a... The only thing to do if you're capital right now is to fucking liquidate as fast as possible. Just fucking... Get rid of it all. While the Fed and the Treasury are still pumping up the stock market, you yeah. can still sell. No matter how fast you fucking sell it, yeah. you can't tank the stock market right now because you've got the the federal government fucking propping it up. Yeah, so, money machine go burr. 
all what what else could, would you do besides just just keep fuck standing there shoveling money out the back of the bank you blew open until yeah, yeah. the building collapses in front of you and you drive away like that's that's all that makes sense but that's different than than the sort of last 40 years you know this is just get out yeah liquidate it all yeah, and I mean, we could point to um, the record sales and doomsday bunkers amongst the, among the affluent, the land grabs in New Zealand from American billionaires who uh, have decided that it's uh, going to be their fortress against the hordes and all that. To give you an idea of the mentality yeah. <laughs> of the wealthy at this point. Then it has this very reminiscent to the 1880s and 90s, the original Gilded Age feel of... You know, uh, the railroads, which was the hot business going at the time, you know, huge chunks of the track, 40, 50 percent of the track built was, you know, bought, sold, sold again, all this kind of stuff. And it was track that was never even built or it was track that fucking was so built so shittily you couldn't even put a train on all this kind of shit. And it was just total fucking it was capitalism with no controls on it whatsoever, just running amok, doing what it does. And uh, that is similar to sort of where we're at now. I mean, there's there's nobody to plan. There's nobody for the future, and it's just pure chaos. Now, with the added benefit of knowing that they're, unlike in the 1880s, 1890s, now we just know there is no future. So yeah. no, no point in even pretending anymore, right? And I think the pandemic thing, what it reminded me of is September 11th, when there was already, you know, the airline industry was already going bankrupt because it was a fucking disaster. Uh, Companies like Boeing were already in financial trouble and stuff. And all of a sudden, September 11th happens, and all of them are at the trough basically saying, oh, man, like, things would have been going great, but, uh, you know, terrorist attack, and now nobody wants to fly. Uh, You know, looking looking with the other little puppy dog eyes at Congress going, money machine, go, you know, and then we handed them over huge chunks of money, right? And, uh, you know, I mean, the same thing happened with Wall Street, you know, in 2008 or whatever, of like, oh, who could have (laughs) known, you know? And now this whole thing's going to happen here with uh, COVID of, you know, everybody that was already you know, driving the train off the fucking cliff and shit is going to be like, Oh, we didn't know that. <laughs> we didn't know that that's what we were doing. Uh, COVID, you know, in fact, it has nothing to do with what we were doing. COVID outside, outside sources, act of God. Yeah. You know, give us the money. Right. And yeah. And it'll keep the heist going. Right. And it'll be this illusion that we're all meant to buy into. Right. That just hides what's happening actually under the surface. You know, and it's, uh, fucking depressing to think about but yeah yeah Yeah. wait hold on greg stop what's that what's that sound greg (laughs) wait greg can you hear what's going down (laughs) speaking of illusions apparently we're also to buy into the dnc Well, look, it's like, yeah, okay, we're going to get to that, like, for sure. I want to talk about um, that specifically. But, like, this whole thing, like, this this illusion, right? Like, this matters for this election. Like, th- there's just no consequences mm-hmm. for any of this shit. There haven't been yeah. for a long time. Like, I think that the Democrats, if you watch this convention, what little I could barely stomach, and I just kept having to turn it off every time I was like, okay, I'm going to check some of this shit out. I, I would last, like, a minute and a half but um like I, I, I as bad as everything is like um 
What were you saying the COVID numbers are up to now? Uh, COVID just hit 175,000 as of uh, yesterday. Amazing. That's deaths. 175,000 deaths in the United States. Not, not in the world. Incredible. I think the rest of the world's probably doing better combined <laughs> in the United States, yeah. Uh, and the economy's in free fall, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you know uh, unemployment claims are going to hit, what, like 30% yeah. any day now. Um, the... The thing is, like, for whatever re- for a confluence of reasons, um, you know, you can talk about it as like the we don't have like a a common view of the world and a media that'll jump on a story like this. But like, I don't know. I've been worried since the beginning. I've been saying this on the podcast. Like, all of this shit happening, I don't know that it has enough time to sink into the consciousness to affect this election. Like. 30 years ago maybe it would have you know like a tiny recession in 1992 tanked uh george hw bush right like Mm -hmm. but this is like people aren't if you at this point our system is so fraudulent and so absurd and there's just such confusion about what is even going on here out there that like if you are really feeling it hard right now if you are Mm -hmm. For example, in some place where you're being evicted, you're not going to vote. You are probably someone who's poor or been poor for many years and you don't usually vote. Yeah. People who vote in this country, I think largely are living in still a kind of a fantasy land that all that needs to happen is everyone, everything needs to open up and we go back to work. And the, the true like hurt of all this is not being absorbed yeah you know this time next year yeah people may have a real fucking bad attitude about um like generally even for even the like 25 percent of americans who like donald trump some of them may real have like have given up on him because of covid and, and what a just a disaster it is but like i don't know that between now and november who knows any i mean lots of stuff could happen but Conversely to what I'm saying, the Democrats seem to think that is like this is a done fucking deal. Yeah. Like Yeah, um they seem convinced that they've already won. Uh polling data uh shows that they're exactly where Hillary Clinton was this time, two thousand sixteen. So I'd say they got it. No problems. But yeah, I mean Yeah, they also thought, you know, <laughs> the Iraq war would tank the Bush administration. Like none of this stuff yeah. like when I think it's absorbed, man, I, like it takes it takes a long time for this stuff to soak into people's minds. Well, I think it takes a long time specifically because of who the Democrats are, right? And yeah. so, for instance, right, we're you know within a two week period, we got to learn about inland hurricanes. We got to learn that two hurricanes can hit the same area at the same day. Uh, we got to learn about fire tornadoes. We got to learn about all this shit we talked about at the top of the show. In that exact same week, Biden had you know, the commitment to cut fossil fuel subsidies, he had that stricken from the party platform, all right? Yeah. So basically said, no, it's it goes way too far to not uh, hand over taxpayer money to oil companies, the wealthiest companies on the planet, uh, to, you know, keep them, you know, keep them from killing us, essentially, all. Uh, that's, too, that's too radical. Then, literally the same day that he had them cut from the platform, he went and told several media outlets, Oh no! Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cut the fossil fuel subsidy. Don't worry about it. Like I, I'm gonna do it. So on the same day, we have multimedia multiple media outlets saying 
Biden has it cut from the platform. Biden commits to cutting fossil fuel subsidies, right? And this is who the Democratic Party is. It's all fucking smoke and mirrors. It's just fucking bullshit out of both sides of the mouth. Fucking, and so people are confused. People don't know what the fuck to make of it, and people just tune it out, right? right if, it's just fucking noise. If there now, was if some... they had had, if they'd come out, like, so many people have fucking died from COVID. If they'd just come out and been like, look at the fucking numbers. Look at the people who are dying. We have to do something. And, like, had actually made strong proposals and actually committed to fight for them instead of what they actually did, which was go on vacation until January. Yeah, how I big mean, a deal could this be? Yeah. How big an emergency is getting rid of Donald Trump if they're not, like, united screaming yeah. at the top of their lungs, shutting down America to say what needs to be done? The Republican Party hated Obama just because he wasn't in their party, so they lost some, like, key consultancy jobs in D.C., and they committed to not passing a single piece of legislation he backed. Whereas the Democratic Party has passed every fucking defense bill that Trump wanted. They've given him every dollar he's ever wanted. They've backed pretty much every part of his agenda. And it's like, again, so you're at this convention. You're telling me this is the most dangerous man that's ever existed. You're telling me COVID is this, you know, uh, uh, this emergency that has to be dealt with. Granted, you don't give a single explanation of what you're going to do about it. You just say it's bad. Yet, you passed everything Donald Trump wanted. You gave him, I mean, you called him a spy for Russia and then gave him all the military weapons he wanted and gave him all the spy, gave him extra spying powers. And then, fucking, you say this COVID stuff is this major emergency and you go on fucking vacation instead of deal with it. Again, nobody fucking believes them because they're full of shit, right? If, if they actually believed any of this stuff, if they believed Trump was an existential threat, if they believed that COVID was an emergency to them and not just going to kill a bunch of poor people they don't give a fuck about anyways, they would be doing something, but they're not. And everybody sees, like, that's why people fucking hate this. And that's why that's why this whole thing is, like, this weird, like, H.P. Lovecraft fucking thing where nobody see, can figure out what's going on because literally everybody is full of shit, you know? Yeah, well, um, the maybe the most full of shit thing, like, I, I just, I, I tried to tune in. I guess it would have been, like, Tuesday morning. I was like, okay, let me, I tried to watch a few minutes of the... DNC yeah. the night before, I kept just like turning my head away, like, <laughs> and uh, I watched all of Tuesday, Wednesday, like an absolute psychopath. Oh my and god! And I gotta tell you, I am not better for it. No, dude, I can't even imagine. But like the thing that like really broke my brain, that made me not that I, I couldn't wa- sit down and actually watch all of Tuesday and Wednesday, was the I guess the way they ended Monday night, and I saw this Tuesday morning. Maybe I saw it late that night. I don't know, but. It's maybe one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. And, like, it's just, it's, it's like, in a way, they, like, get, in an, they have an, in, the Democrats do have an instinct for, like, connecting with people. Because even totally without any context and without any explanation, without the dive, like, I'm about to do on it, you would see this and just be utterly, like, horrible, just just repulsed like instantly any human being from any culture on the planet just confused terrified disgusted repulsed uh Mm -hmm. and that is this i guess the way they signed off monday night and this is just there's so much this is just it's so perfect um is this incredible just immensely cringe uh i'm gonna say music video performance uh like youtuber uh meets like 
early music video 1979 it, it captured uh yeah the 19 yeah 70 music video perfectly like, like the the ooh look what we can do with chroma keying technology we watched uh, a music video for tommy rose dizzy from 1969 and it was and, also using green screen yeah and uh, it appeared technology. to be of maybe even higher quality yeah, actually yeah. Like. <laughs> uh we'll get to dizzy in a minute yeah so this is this absolutely brain-melting rendition of the uh, classic 60s protest song, <laughs> Buffalo Springfield song, For What It's Worth, oh. uh, featuring on guitar the song's original writer and singer, Stephen Stills, legendary oh. douche, Stephen yeah. Stills. Oh, and Stills, Nash, and Young fame, and I believe he's the biggest douchebag of the bunch. He is, is the funny. worst of them all, yes, yeah. yes. Um <laughs> Yes, we'll get to that. Uh, and Broadway song and dance man Billy Porter uh, doing yeah. uh, singing it and doing some interesting interpretive dance moves. This is the if you haven't seen this, I mean, we'll link to it. Well, like, wearing, I'm pretty sure genie pants. Like it's, it's no, no. He's wearing his like signature. It's a cape, but it's not a cape thing that he's. Uh, uh. That's like uh, it's his signature, but um. Where to even start? Okay, so the song, <laughs> like their performance of the song, okay, it really is about the video because it's clearly like shot in their living rooms, badly we'll, lit. Yeah, we'll put a link in the mentions. Maybe just start watching it while we're talking yes. about it. Yeah, um, just, put just it on it low, playing. like yeah. put the, the music on low and just let it uh, play because I'm going to talk about the lyrics in a minute. But um, it's them each in green screen probably in their homes Yeah, that's yeah. then cut together with like very like old like TV like um, bandstand type 60s bandstand type show like early music mm -hmm. video up through the 70s of just like whoa look what we can do with green screen which is like <laughs> it's just like your zoom background technology mm -hmm. now or whatever but it's like look there's a an American oddly colored basically black and red American flag that's like it, it's so lame and then he's doing weird ass dance moves he's singing the song very badly and weirdly it's a bad bad <laughs> rendition of this song like it, it, it totally gets like the t it just it's just that that kind of lame like um grocery store cover of a yeah. song that just sort of purposely murders the tempo and rhythm of it just to just for the sake of fucking it up Greg, you know the word you're looking for is lazy yes it's fucking lazy and then lazy it has all shit. this and then it has like ancient steven stills like this the oldest man you've ever seen <laughs> holding a guitar just doing nothing adding to anything he's doing yeah. the the signature lick of the song mm -hmm. um but it's mostly drowned out by like a um a really grungy distorted rhythm yeah guitar section that he's not playing i don't think and so you don't get like the the crisp production of this so this was a minor hit in uh 69 okay right yeah. like uh, 67, 1967 yeah, yeah, yeah 67 um and He's fucking up the again. You can't really even hear like the signature lick of the song that is a real earworm. Like yeah. you can barely hear it. He's just sort of lazy. And then the the original recording goes kind of hard at points. And I realize why. Watch again. Again, I'm like, why is he fucking up the guitar? Where's the guitar solo? And then it's like I'm. I can hear it in my head. I didn't have to listen to the original recording, but mm. the guitar solo in the original 
on the bridge is a classic Neil Young one note guitar solo. <laughs> and uh, you'll notice Neil Young is nowhere to be found here. Um, Neil Young being yeah. the guitarist, the lead guitarist of Buffalo Springfield. Well, and also the famously political one of the bunch. Yes. Too. yes yeah. Uh, well, him and mysteriously and, absent. Yes. Okay. So of that, of <laughs> the super group, Crosby, Stills and Nash, and then Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young, two of them from Buffalo Springfield, this band, this stupid mm. song for what it's worth. The good ones, Neil Young. Uh, I'm Neil Young's actually like my favorite ever. I love him. I even <laughs> like Buffalo Springfield for 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 what it's worth. Uh, for <laughs> '60s sort of whatever psych rock like. But he, yeah, it's missing the the classic one note Neil Young guitar solo, which is a real thing, and he's the only person who can do it in a way that's awesome. That's king. God, it just sucks so much. But um. Yeah, the original song, it is it's a catchy song from the 60s. It had, you know, it was like a minor hit in 67. Um uh, the other so the other not guys, as big a hit as the Monkeys uh give me more, I believe yes, was the- <laughs> from also from yes. Uh well that's the thing is like so I want to so as an entree to this, like let's we're going to um just we're going to we're going to read some of the lyrics of for what it's worth. So this is what they're clearly trying to capture here, right? Is like remember the 60s? Remember how cool the boomers were? Something we're always talking about how much we love the boomers and how they did civil rights and stopped the Vietnam War. Remember that? I mean, if you wanted to make them look cool, you probably shouldn't have uh, a boomer in the background of this video who's literally just all hunched over like Frankenstein's assistant. Yeah. Like, well, so and then this they're like updating it, right? They've moment. got they've got the original and it's a torch. It's yeah. a handoff from yeah, the yeah. aging ancient white boomer um, to the uh, still very old Gen Xer singing the song, um, black Gen Xer, um, and then they've got all this imagery in the background, like photos taken from Google and just treated that are like people in Black Lives Matter T-shirts doing fists and shit. Um, and it's supposed to evoke like it's like yeah, look, remember the '60s when we again when the hippie children who were uh, 18 at the time or like were like uh, 15 when uh, the Civil Rights Act was passed. Remember mm-hmm. how they, they did the 60s? Yeah. Remember? yeah. <laughs> and then remember how they later would go on to when they were 18 and 19, stop the Vietnam War, which actually ended when they were 25, <laughs> um, many, many years after, you know, half a decade or more than half a decade of heavy protests that no one gave a shit about that yeah. uh, after the entire like Southeast Asian peninsula was leveled to the ground by aerial bombing. Yeah. Um, well, the largest protest of the Vietnam war happened in April of 69, right in Washington, DC, huge, huge, massive. And, and uh, you know, led by SDS and stuff. And it was so powerful that the war ended a mere six years later in yeah. 1975. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, yeah. okay, to be fair to the <laughs> SDS in that march, uh, U.S. major combat operations ended in 73, Brian, okay? <laughs> so. so, yeah, and I mean, uh, and I, you know, and I don't want to shit on that anti-war movement or whatever at the no, time. No, no. But I, the, you know, the, the, but I, the but people the, who are actually talking about right, it's the false memory that's the false being created, memory, okay? right? It like, is true. actively by Hollywood there, and actively by... There's and the layers actually to this. Using. There yeah. was an anti-war yeah. movement. First of all, it would, but ultimately, it was not effective. Yeah, yeah. I think people are confused about this on the left. I mean, I, was, I remember I was driving around Iowa listening to this um, episode of the Current Affairs podcast when they were talking about 
sixties protest music and like the anti war movement and I was going like, wow, people are really confused. These are like you're these going, wow, very... the guy that hosts this podcast has some really swinging suits. <laughs> uh, but it was like, you know, it was all these people who write for current affairs, and it's like, oh, they think like the protests ended the war. Like basically, yeah, yeah. like I was yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck? Like there yeah. was just kind of an offhand. I was like, wow, um, no one understands this. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, completely ineffective, no effect. Um, mm-hmm. There is, we've talked about this before, there's this later added on myth-making to, like, when the country has to ask itself, why did we lose Vietnam? Yeah. It's like, oh, because the, because the, the war, because the nation turned against the war at home. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a current of this at the time. This is what, like, someone like Nixon believed at the time, partially, mm-hmm. you know, but he also knew the facts. Like, he, there are people who resented this at the time that the nation was turning against the war and felt like it was a pressure. But ultimately, it didn't turn out to be a pressure enough. The pressure was they ran out of things to bomb. Yeah, yeah. And it just wasn't doing anything. And uh, as you're fond of pointing out, half the army in in Southeast Asia was on smack and disobeying orders. Yeah, the soldiers revolted. I mean, like, the question of what ended the Vietnam War is not a question, right? Like, we literally have all the documents, the internal discussions from the people actually fucking were fighting it, right? And it literally came down to a few different things. One, the cost of the war, right? Two, the soldiers had gone into full rebellion. And three, the Vietnamese were fucking winning. And it yeah. had become a fait accompli and had been for years that they were going to win the war. Now, the, and it was just the, a matter of how much money were we going to dump into killing them in the, the process. The massive war right? movement at home that was the milieu that the draftees mm-hmm. were coming out of that they then went to Vietnam that they then like refused to follow orders in is not unconnected. But again, it's that's this one well, one abstracted element over an incredibly long time scale of many years mm. of destruction that is just one element that is mostly just that they weren't going to win. You know? Well, and the thing that we never talk about, right? I mean, you know, it's sort of like the civil rights movement. What the state chooses to tell you about and what the capitalist class chooses to tell you about the civil rights movement should be a hint that that's not what was important about yes. it. And you need to go look at somewhere other somewhere else. And, you know, with the anti-war movement and the civil rights movement, what helped with that in Vietnam was things like strikes and G factories, uh, shipyard strikes, things like that. There was a strike of soldiers at Fort Lewis that was caused by anti-war activists, you know, organizing soldiers and people joining the army to organize yeah. in the army and things like that. All stuff that you weirdly never hear you about. You don't hear about, right. Right. Uh, and things too, like the urban rebellions that forced the military to come back and reoccupy American cities like Detroit and Newark and things like that, right? Like right. those were the things that actually had an impact on the Vietnam War. Like part of the reason why they, again, I, I, I didn't add this, but part of the reason why they wanted to bring an end to the ground operations on of the Vietnam War was Nixon was convinced he was going to need the army to occupy all the Amer- major American cities uh, because he thought we were in full rebellion, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, which has more to do with the civil rights movement. Right, right. So, War, but yeah. There was a very real anti-war movement, and it was very multifaceted. It was in the labor movement. It was in the mm-hmm. military itself. It There was all kinds of action that you don't hear about. But ultimately, still, like, yeah. in the end, they mm-hmm. still bombed that country for years, and yeah. they, they just weren't going to win, and eventually that's what did it. The other part of it is, like, what you hear about is it was the... what. You know, the picture that is painted for you is that it was the hippie counterculture, okay? Yeah. And that there were like young people, there were boomers, college students, SDS, mm-hmm. okay, and other organizations like them. But that was not 
That was one small element of the anti-war movement and arguably among the least effective element of it. Yeah, the most, uh, the first like active part of it was Korean War vets, something yeah. that you probably wouldn't imagine <laughs> yes, given what exactly. you've been told. In and the labor and movement and all kinds of stuff. So, but it wasn't like, and then extrapolating from that, the other thing that the lie they tell about the 60s is that it was the, the feeling that you get like, by osmosis that it was this whole generation this radical generation of boomers right mm-hmm. like no even the 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 even the counterculture which is what gets represented to you as the 60s generation right which had mm-hmm. nothing to do with civil rights or the anti-war movement even that was this tiny percentage of what was a mm-hmm. generation of conservative squares yeah. um and then tiny tiny even compared to that was um was the actual like anti-war boomers who you know very small um cool the coolest of all the boomers but still yeah the ones uh, who were actually on the street the ones who went and fuck you know bust to uh the south you know yeah. and the ones who actually put their lives on the line which is why they're all dead now and yeah. were overrun by the worst element of that generation yeah even if it's just metaphorically in the case of bernie sanders yeah yeah um, and um and it and it it was funny. I always had this, uh, I had this college uh, professor. She did this thing that I always thought was so awesome, which was when she talked about the sixties and she was active in SDS and all that stuff. She would show people billboard charts, right. From like various key points in the sixties and be like, and would play the songs and be like, is this what you expected to try and break people of this fucking mythology that you're right. talking about that's yeah. been built in their head? I mean, right now I have opened the, the hot 100 for, you know, April 1969, the same week that 20,000 people were marching against the war in D.C. And on it, we have, you know, It's Your Thing by the Isley Brothers, Dizzy by Tommy Rowe. That's a good, uh, uh, as 60s bubblegum goes, that's pretty good, Dizzy. Yeah, Rock yeah. Me by Steppenwolf, Time it's of not, the Season by the Zombies. The zomb- that's a great, great Zombies. That's a great record. And the issue is... But it has, it's not political at all. Yeah. Look, the Isley Brothers fucking rule. Like, yeah. But, zombies but the thing is fucking that's a fucking great record yeah the thing but is, is that it's not political the revolutionary things that were having in the 60s the far left political elements and things like that it was not a cultural movement it was a no. political movement yeah. and the great lie that's been told to you and the you know wool over your eyes is to sell you this f- cultural facade of you know listening to buffalo springfield <laughs> Is this this is your movement against Trump? I right. mean, it was perfectly embodied by the uh, woman who did the TikTok video of the the dance to get rid of Trump or whatever in some alley in New York. Very embarrassing, but like the fact that you even believe that this is well, works, so right? I mean, this insane. song by Buffalo Springfield is one of the go to like, oh yeah, remember yeah. the sixties? Remember all that? political protest music and we know it's the go-to because it was used in every movie in the 1980s that famously revolutionary decade that was about the 60s uh it it, so let's um let's take a look at the lyrics here uh again this is the not cool i love i like crosby stills national young i love uh neil young um steven still sucks uh he's a douchebag uh graham nash is a pompous dick though some of his songs are good the good ones are neil young and david crosby david mm-hmm. crosby who you can follow on twitter neil young the most political he did he tried to get protest music again going during the bush years released yeah, a whole uh, album had a song called let's impeach the president sucks absolute shit oh yeah, yeah absolute trash but i mean he's like an old man just trying to do something yeah. you know you gotta whatever yeah. anyway and david crosby just throwing his sperm around and the like 
early aughts, late aughts, right? I think he was somebody who provided Melissa Etheridge's kids. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's wild. That. That's, yeah, I don't just know. a little fun side story um, about Crosby. <laughs> okay, so there's these are the lyrics to this very famous like emblematic song that's like yeah remember what the 60s how radical the 60s were this, uh there's something happening here what it is ain't exactly clear there's a man with a gun over there telling me i gotta beware that's evocative the sure. second half of that sure yeah anyway. work it out um i think it's top stop i think it's time we stop children what's that sound or really look what's going down so it's like you know like awareness Mm-hmm. It's about aware, like yeah, man. Everybody, like tune in, man. Okay, <laughs> there's battle lines being drawn. Okay, all right, all right. This okay. Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Hell Boom! Yeah. Mic drop. We have just both sides the oh, entire yeah. decade of the '60s. It is. It is important, like also to. So first off, this is why this culture shit is stupid. Every musician, particularly if they're famous, like if they've been successful, every musician in the world is a fucking moron. Yeah. And if you're Dumb listening shit. to them about anything, you're an idiot too. Uh, the reason why they're good at their craft is because they haven't done anything else, which is why they're completely fucking stupid. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's like real, also like 12 year old kid fucking shit. That's like Katie Herzog like level. Oh, this is such Katie Herzog like, shit. Hey guys, so- hey guys, look. Nobody's right. If everybody's, everybody's wrong, wrong. Did I just blow your fucking Young people minds? speak in their minds. <laughs> oh, see, it, this is about pe- pe- people, no. you know, getting out there, just like today, getting so much resistance from behind. I don't actually know what that means. It's time we stop, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here's a cool, here's a cool line. What a field day for the heat, meaning the police. Mm-hmm. A thousand people in the street. Okay, so we're just talking about stuff happening now which yeah. is like to me is like if this is this is a protest song in the way that if you go to tomorrowland mm. at disneyland um it's you know which is supposed to be the space future yeah, and you're yeah. walking around in the big like uh and there'll be like a big mural of mm. space yeah, yeah like a big mural of a starscape and like saturn and a comet which is like <laughs> They don't. They wouldn't have murals of space in space. Okay, like when you go to, like when you go to Frontierland, yeah. like it's just like you're there in like the old west or something. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have like murals of a wagon train. They just have like a liter- an actual wagon train. But somehow they get it wrong at Tomorrowland, and it's just like you're just like in a mall of the future and there are murals of space. That's what this is. This is a mural of space at Tomorrowland, where it's just like, hey, so. uh yeah, this is a protest song. It's about people protesting. <laughs> like yeah. that's when 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 the cultural, you know, reference producers of our age like look back to the 60s and go, "Yeah, we need to find a protest song." What they find, what they dra- drag up every time is something that's about protest, okay? Well, and how is it any different than like Billy Joel's no you know, We Didn't Start the Fire, right? Like it's yeah. literally just a statement of things yep. you saw on the news. Yep. Like it has no connection to anything. Uh, uh, you know that is it. It's a good line, man. It, it like hits when they when he sings it in the real one. But um, singing, okay. But oh god, S- a thousand people in the street singing songs and carrying signs, mostly say "Hooray for our side." So this is just this is a fuck you to protesters. This is like, look at all these people singing songs and carrying signs. And basically they just say, I'm right. That's what, that's what he's saying. This yeah. is like yeah. lib brain. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. This yeah. is Katie Herzog shit. This is both sides. This is like, 
look at these people, you know, all like getting like really passionate about this thing they believe in. <laughs> this is a fuck you to anyone who ever cared because Stephen Stills is an asshole and an idiot. Okay. Um, it's time we stop, blah, blah, blah. This is a, this also hits hard. I don't know what it means. Paranoia strikes deep into your life. It will creep. It starts when you're always afraid. You step out of line. The man come and take you away. Hey, this is the one good verse in the whole song. Like start to finish. Yeah. Like yeah, that paints a picture. It does. Like he's va- basic. It's vaguely anti-cop and the man, but it's like yeah, yeah. that's as far as it's willing to go, right? Like <laughs> uh, we better stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody, look. okay, yeah, be aware. Okay, so that that's the one they pull out. If you look, you know. If you even just try to find protest songs from the 60s, which you've probably been told they're just like, this is what a whole genre is. There's a million of them. Yeah. It's not. There's, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's a couple of Credence songs, right? Fortunate mm-hmm. Son, where it has some vague class awareness in yeah. relation to the war, where it's like, I ain't no millionaire's son, you know? Mm-hmm. There's um, a Draft Dodger Rag, which I think, yeah. don't think ever cracked the Hot 100. Oh, no. You know? no. It's but remembered now. It's the closest thing to a real political song right. that came out. And you know? there's a handful of Dylan songs from the... Yeah. The early and uh, mid sixties, not of the late sixties, when he was dating a Maoist, and he wrote "Masters of yeah. War," and then got on our side. Yeah, then he got scared and became a born again Christian. So right, you know. well, he even in the mid sixties before he was saved, he uh, um, he, when people started asking about his politi- his anti war songs mm-hmm. um from his first few albums, like uh. He'd be like, man, I, I was just saying what Eisenhower was saying, like yeah. referring to the, um, <laughs> the his farewell speech, you know, like speech, yeah. basically like, no, I could, I'm basically a Republican. Like we're yeah. all on, like, yeah. don't, don't come at me. And like, but you know, you sang about the times they are a changing. Go listen to the times they are, go check out the lyrics for the fast. times they are a changing. Oh, it's a great well, song. There's it's a great song. It is 100% apolitical. It, it says so, nothing. uh, not a great song. And it reminds me of there's a famous uh, like train riding hobo wobbly folk singer named Utah Phillips. And on one of his live albums, he has this comment where he calls Bob Dylan middle class music for middle class consumption. Yeah. And he says and he goes, look, I'm just saying there's a difference between, you know, how many times must the white dove fly before it can land in the sand and singing dump the bosses off your back. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, He did write a few over the years. A few like songs about instances of injustice, sometimes mm-hmm. racial, you know, in the 70s. Um, what, 75? I guess it's 75 Desire. Um, uh, the Hurricane, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, he did, but like those are few and far between, and they're, um, you know, they're songs about specific sort of events that, you know, he actually is very good at painting a picture of and like mm-hmm. and describing the injustice of, but, um, there's really not that much of that. And like, uh, the, yeah, if you try to look for all these political protest songs, you just won't find them. Like, uh, yeah, whatever Which, you're Googling, like it doesn't come up. I want to, uh, and I do want to be clear. That's actually a very good and healthy thing. Our current obsession with the idea that we're going to have this cultural, like, like we're going to, we're going to be led into the revolution through song and dance is pretty fucking stupid. And yeah. I think uh, it is the uh, it's the dying thoughts of a dying brain. Yeah. Like it, I want to read to you if you want to just just to like prove just to finally like put this to rest. Um, the uh, the biggest band of the 60s. So you may have heard of them. They're called the Beatles. No, nah, um, I never heard of them. This is 
the Beatles song Revolution, which, you know, for a Beatles song goes pretty hard. Um, that is to say the Revolution, not Revolution 1 or Revolution 9, which are all the same song, but different shittier versions of it. Um, <laughs> God, uh, I hate the 60s so much. And um, <laughs> this is conceptual, Brian. Uh, I just want to, this is a treat I'm going to give to Brian. So this is The Beatles, okay? The biggest act of the 1960s. Um, no one actually even usually accuses them of being political. Yeah, yeah. Um, unlike a lot of other stuff, um, it they were sort of above it all. Well, um, hilariously, John Lennon gets accused of being political post right. Beatles, and which is even okay, funnier because so, so, God, of, that shit sucks. One of the big okay, one if you try to find political protests, mm. anti-war songs from the sixties, you will find Plastic Ono bands give yeah. peace a chance, and that's yeah. basically. That's that's the lyric. Get, all we're saying is give peace a chance. Like, you, can't we just have? We just please, please. Could you imagine? Just, yeah, a, a weaker, yeah. more like. I mean, you've already lost when you're yeah, doing that. You, yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is the Beatles' Revolution. Now, this is was recorded in July '68. Okay. Yeah. Meaning this is literally their response mm-hmm. to May '68. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. This is them singing about May '68, titling it Revolution. Um, you say you want a revolution. Well, you know, we all want to change the world. You tell me that it's evolution. I think he's, I think they're paraphrasing there. I think they mean uh. dialectical. Um, <laughs> like it's hard uh, to find things that rhyme with revolution. Uh, well, you know, we all want to change the world, but when you talk about destruction, oh god, I forgot about this. God damn it! Don't you know that you can count me out? You can count me out. out. God, I fucking hate. Don't the you know it's gonna be? All right. First off, you guys need to understand, if you're listening to the Beatles, it's music for babies, and you're a baby. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You say you got a real solution. They're literally talking about solutions now. Well, you know, we all, we'd all love to see the plan. <laughs> we'd all love to talk to Elizabeth Warren about this. Mm-hmm. This is 1968. This is their response to May 68. You ask me for a contribution? Well, you know... Some of the richest people in show business. We're doing what we can. (laughs) I shit you not! This is is the Beatles song called Revolution. This was a single. Um, But if you want money for people with minds that hate... This is obviously given their characterization so far. you, you Mm -hmm. You know, they're not really talking about Nazis right now. All I can tell you is, brother, you have to wait. Don't you know it's gonna be all right? All right. You say you'll change the Constitution. Well, you know, we all want to change your head. This is, by the way, this, I should have mentioned, this is a John Lennon song. This is yeah, yeah. McCartney. This is John Lennon, the oh, yeah, piece yeah, yeah. of chance, the political one, the anti-war one. You know it's his because it sucks. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, well, you know, we'd all love to change your head. You tell me it's the institution. Well, you know, you better free your mind instead. Like, uh... <laughs> Tune in, turn on, drop out, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, don't, go, don't go to that strike and protest, bro. Do in some case drugs it's not very clear up to now, dig this. But if you go carrying pictures of Chairman Mao, you ain't going to make it with anyone anyhow. Don't you know it's going to be all right, all right, all right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and that's been uh, the brilliant attitude that's worked so well in the United States and England, which is why we live in such wonderful countries. But yeah, I mean, just garbage. Which absolute again, trash was fine in that time period because people understood the time period. 
musicians are fucking idiots and you don't listen to them at all about anything. Like, why would you listen to any musician about anything political? They literally saw these people as just like sumps to pump for money. Like, you know, and the thing is, well, I think that's what the song is about. He's tired of being hit up for fucking cash by people like SDS. All these people are good for, right. You know, and like, look, the Beatles who clearly gave fucking nothing. Brando fucking gave money to the Black Panther Party. Like, Brando gave money to fucking, you know, bail people out, you know. Uh, uh, Jane Seberg or whatever gave fucking money and her life, ultimately, to, like, do these kind of things. It's like, this is how fucking lazy the icons we're told to worship now were at the time, right? You know? Uh, even the ones who did things, like, we're not allowed to know about or like. <laughs> you know, it, it has to be john fucking lennon who was too busy beating the fuck out of his wife and ignoring his estranged sons to fucking bother with any of this shit but yeah i mean just fucking astonishing what a piece of shit and right? the, uh, like yeah sneering. actual this, actual human garbage this like, actually just sneering sneering <laughs> at the people in the street trying this is just sneering yeah. at um and calling it ironic the name people i swear to god the name like there's People who have heard this song and don't understand that the name naming it revolution is ironic or it's yeah, a, yeah. it's a diss. It's a joke. It's um as is for what it's worth. And a, so even the protest songs Yeah. Even the political songs that people think are these like the, the layers of bullshit, again, for what it's worth, is a is a fuck you to people protesting. Okay? Yeah. That is what that is about. Yeah, I mean, there was like, you know, a very small amount of serious stuff that came out at the time. Yeah. But you're never going to see that on the D. Weirdly, you're never going to hear Masters of War at the opening the DNC convention, right? No. And, um, and I think that, you know, the fact that they began the first day, or, you know, on the first day they ended, I guess, with uh, this goddamn song and with this just awful performance is what we were talking about with Boeing and the COVID stuff and all this. It is the giant smokescreen of bullshit that they try and fill your heads with the old day, you know, to make it impossible to see the obvious right in front of you, which is that these people are fucking charlatans, that they are a dead end, all this stuff, right? Um, you know, to sell you this fake fucking imagined, reimagined 1960s where Joe Biden, the guy who was anti-busing is the fucking you know, revolutionary, right? Where, you know, Diane Feinstein, I, the one who was fighting to keep the Confederate flag flying over San Francisco. That's the thing. Was they're the not hero, trying right? to sell you know, that. Like, they're not trying to, to sell, to yeah. accuse them of trying to sell people anything is an insult to, like, traveling salesmen, okay? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, to be so fair. Like, um, you were all for nothing by that convention. No, like, no, they literally had nothing on offer. You weren't trying to sell this even. This was just the sign-off. This was like, yeah. well, we need one thing. What is, like, the... the Mo- the lamest milk, milk toast self-congratulatory piece yeah. of shit that we can just sort of lazily tack on as the sign off to our first night at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a speech, not like talk, just what? Wh- oh, um, yeah, let's I know. How can we best pay tribute to the Black Lives Matter movement? Let's connect it to the real shit in the 60s. Yeah. Well, and, absolute trash. And I mean, and to combine and it so lazily as well. Well, as they did throughout the uh, the convention, including the second night, which got really sad and depressing, where they had a Black Lives Matter montage, uh, apparently forgetting that it's been almost entirely Democratic mayors who have cracked down on the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, a lot of whom were, you know, participating <laughs> 
Like, well, goes, conventions. Look, they'll say, they'll, like, they'll say it out. It's like the, but, but everything is, they say it out both sides of their mouth. Yeah, yeah. They, that, Biden, that's what I mean. Hey, that's what yeah, I mean. all cops are good. We should shoot people in the leg. And yeah, we're on the side of, you know, yeah. it's all like, uh, hey, we're on the side of BLM. And also it's Trump who wants to defund the police, not me, right? Which was literally happened during the convention, right? But it's one of those things that, that's what I mean of like, when we talk about why is it that people are not going to be able to fully metabolize and have like consciousness about what COVID's actually done, how it's changed things, why, why they haven't up to this point been able to fully metabolize like what climate change actually is a means, right? You know, despite the horror stories that just happen over and over and over again. And it is because the Democrats in particular are just so good at firing this just cloud of shit that just obscures just everything. What they you should know? be doing. Because they give you the they give you five answers for everything, none of which work together. They're all mutually exclusive, but they throw them all out there like a machine gun and they're like, yeah, that's it. Just whichever one you like. You know? Uh, tell that to yourself while we do what we want anyways. Yeah. <laughs> you know? What they should be doing, I mean, he's too old for this, obviously, but um he should be like, uh, yeah, actually my favorite band was the Doors. Uh, but uh because like um the doors uh i give a pass to because they were never serious about any of it Mm -hmm. it was a big joke to them yeah yeah. and uh i think jim morrison was fairly unabashedly right wing too so that helps as well yeah oh yeah no they were at their uh you know they're your lazy sort of mid-century boomer reactionary rich kids uh Mm -hmm. you know uh who met at film school <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, Already a bad and it was start. a big joke like becoming like teen icons was like a big fucking joke and a money grab that they have fun with not they weren't they weren't like you got to respect them for that unlike steven stills here like trying to be like an artist and making mm-hmm. this dumb like like that he's still trying to trade on this like 60s radicalism that he his take on was really just like well i'm above it uh both sides you're stupid i don't know mm-hmm yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, that sapped people's brain, and part of what has helped it to do, or helped the Democrats to be able to sap your brain in that way, too, has been the just cultural barrage of the reimagined 1960s, which is sold to not just the boomers themselves, but everybody below them. And it's basically this Disney theme park of, uh, you know, political theater, right? Of just like, hey, you don't like something? Why don't you form a band and sing a song about it? Didn't you watch, you know, uh, I, you know, I guess to Oliver Sun's credit, he does kind of capture the not giving a fuckness of the doors, but you know, in a way that seemed very cool when you watched it as a kid. But he thinks it's cool. But yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. That's and, the but, problem with that movie. But it is. That's the problem. That movie. <laughs> Gets the doors very wrong. Like, yeah. Alverstone gets a lot of things very wrong, even if yeah. he does it very well. Yeah, but he's, it's, no one ever looks so good being so wrong than Oliver Stone. But. Yeah, it's this, uh, but yeah, it's just this crazy sort of like a carnival ride the, cult- the culture sells you. And yeah, you know, uh, yeah, again, you want to be political? Uh, why don't you put a, a thing on a sign and go outside, but don't bother anybody or interrupt anything or anything like that, right? Like, Everything, no, about, this the, is everything the, about the 60s that was like remotely commercial. good or effective. Yeah, exactly. Is the, the 60s, what you got to understand is yeah. that's what pop culture in the yeah. 60s, the, yeah. the second it ever touched anything political was the Pepsi commercial, yeah. okay? Was the join a conversation, like yeah. was the cop taking the Pepsi. That is as 
political as pop culture ever got. It's the same exact thing. Well, and it's why changed. like Gen X turned completely against having any sort of defined like politics, yes. right? Why they because became they became specifically and consciously apolitical. They were in all fucking conceived at Woodstock yeah. and had to fucking hear about it growing up from their idiot, vapid, suburban, right-wing <laughs> parents yeah. talking about how fucking cool and radical they were and were, I mean, what could, what would, what could possibly depoliticize you more than that? And that is what the Democratic mm. Party is to America. Yeah, yeah. America yeah. is the Gen Xer born, like, conceived in a mud field <laughs> at Woodstock who has had to hear about like how fucking cool its parents are for like changing the world in a way that obviously wrong, completely hollow and false to them, obviously on its face every time they ever heard it. That's America. That's why America doesn't vote because America yeah. has been bombarded by this idea of what politics is, and what America is, what voting is that has for every single second it's been produced sounded obviously phony and yeah. in, like insanely false, just like fucking uh, like boomer parents telling their yeah, Gen yeah. X kids about like how fucking uh, how much they changed the world in the 60s. And it makes so much sense. That's why Gen Xers were obsessed only with authenticity because they knew they've been lied to every fucking second of their goddamn lives. But yeah, I mean, uh, it really was a truly cursed fucking convention. Uh, which it always is, but more so than usual just because of the dire situation that we're in. And I don't know. If you could watch that thing and think that the Democratic Party is going to give you anything at all if they get elected, you are I don't a think rube. there's anyone who thinks that. that there, that's not an argument to have with anybody. Yeah. No one point, on the left thinks that. It literally no has no just actual become, Democratic centrists think that. They just a, don't mind. It is astonishing that it literally has just become... There's no promise from the Democratic Party other than the fact that you just won't have to look at Trump anymore. That that's pu that's purely it. Like they were very clear that they're going to be the Republican Party if they get elected. That's why they had all Republicans speaking at the convention. They've and made it's, it's, it's they've uh, come full circle. It's it's really astonishing and um, I mean just truly cursed. Nobody go back and watch. Some it. of those Republicans uh, are going to be in the cabinet. Okay. Oh, one hundred percent. Biden is elected. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. A bunch of Republicans are going to change parties. Like mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean, that will be how the Democrats stop the Republican losing or the Republican winning streak is they will uh, just absorb like the Republican Party back into the Democratic Party and they will just become the Republican Party. But yeah, um, yeah, I, fucking... I don't I, I wouldn't count on that. I mean, they could easily completely become the Republican Party of yesteryear and have that have no cultural relevance yeah. <laughs> at all i think is more likely yeah i know i, I realized for a second that i just insinuated in any way that the party would ever win elections in the future but yeah it it was truly fucking cursed um i don't really know what more we can say about it i don't know how you can have any belief that i i'm ter i i'm really worried that we're going to have another four years of Trump. And honestly, you can sit here all day and say, well, in so many ways, it doesn't really matter. And that's really true. But Greg is repeating what I tell him every day. The fear of the unknown is enough for me, man. Like, we don't know. We don't know what what depraved horrors um, could come down on us uh, yeah. in a second Trump term. We don't know. Well, I mean, uh, I got news for you, bud. You're going to find out. The, the, um, the, um, the Biden presidency is eminently predictable, I think. Mm. 
Um, and Trump is not. And I think uh, the well, the best case scenario for another four years of Trump is sort of the the obviously predictable is very similar to the obviously predictable version of a Biden presidency, but it could go anywhere worse from there and it could go much worse. And it's scary. It's scary. Uh, they're yeah. gonna, they're, if, if Biden wins this election, it will be through no effort of his, his or his parties. Mm -hmm. We just got onto a rocket. It is fired towards the sun. Uh, the, there is no like pilot, or anything like that, right? It's just automated, and we're all in the cabin arguing about who's going to stand closest to the front of the rocket to be in charge of it, right? And the whole thing's on rails, man. We're fired towards the It is the on sun. rails, because not only we're it will done. be no effort of theirs, they're the only yeah. people who could do anything. Yeah. Okay? But they won't. Yep. That's you what can't do shit. About. You can't do shit. Yeah, There's this... nothing you or I can do. There's nothing anyone listening, there's nothing anyone yeah. in America can do to affect this election. Yeah, that's what this convention was about, was a promise from the Democrats that they won't do anything. And that is astonishing. Well, shit, should we wrap this up, I think? Yeah. So, thanks for listening to that fucking very depressing uh, yeah, a little rundown of the convention. But, God, if you guys saw it, you know what we're talking about. We did get two new patrons, oh, which is three. a good thing. Three, okay. Well, I'm looking at two, so you, you say the one that I didn't say. So, we'd like to thank... Uh, yes, Bean. <laughs> and we'd also like to thank Helmy08. All right. So uh, hopefully I got the emphasis right for Yas Bean and uh, Helmy08. I don't know. You just put a bunch of letters and numbers down so you get what you get. Oh, and we have a third one, Elizabeth Warren. No. <laughs> uh, and uh, David. Uh, we I might, have, for, might have not mentioned David last week. Well, David, the email got deleted. David, if we've got to mention you, thanks for joining the fold. And, all right, and um, but m far more importantly, Helmy08 is officially our 69th patron. <laughs> so uh, very nice. Here's a big nice to you, Helmy. <laughs> uh, we've officially reached the point where we can no longer gain or lose patrons. Yes, <laughs> unless oh, I, you know what. Fuck it, we're gonna fly past sixty nine straight to four twenty, baby. Hell yeah, that's our new <laughs> our new stretch goal is four hundred and twenty patrons. All right, well, we're gonna leave you guys with uh, a classic hit song that was at the top of the Hot One Hundred uh, while twenty thousand people marched on Washington D.C. against the Vietnam War in nineteen sixty. Honestly, it's a bop. It rules. Uh, strongly encourage you to go look at the video on YouTube. And well, compare it to yeah. the um, Billy Porter. Yeah, work exactly. Exactly. All right, guys. We'll catch you later. Bye.
See 